Hello, this is John, and you are listening to The Purple Worm. The answer to the great cosmic question, why aren't there more podcasts where British guys moan and talk about RPGs? We've had a great response to our first few episodes. Thank you to everyone who's left us messages. We're going to try and get around to answering them all as soon as possible. And in fact, we're going to start this episode with some voicemails. But first of all, a lovely voicemail that we received from Che Webster. We're going to start the episode with that. So take it away, Che. Greetings to the Fab Four. This is Che from Roleplay Rescue. Just been listening to your first episode of Purple Worm and want to say thanks, guys. It's kind of amazing to see a British supergroup form in the Anchorite community. So, uh, yeah, awesome was interesting to listen to you. Thanks for reminding me about Kevin Crawford and all those wonderful random tables at the back of his books. And mm, tempting me to buy into his latest Kickstarter. But all of that aside, the main point, hey guys, it's great to hear you. The Fab Four. Game on. <laughs> That message you heard before the intro music was from Che Webster. Thanks very much, Che, for getting in touch. We really appreciate that. And now I'm going to hand you over to Dave, who is going to answer some more of the voicemails that we've received. Hey, guys, me again. Um, I don't know if you're looking for suggestions of topics already, but um, following on from uh, there was a bit of a conversation on Discord uh, between John and E, I joined in. There was a couple of others involved who I'm failing to recall at the moment. Apologies for that. Uh, but talking about making 5e more OSR, whether there was any kind of point to doing that, if there were rules that kind of successfully did that, obviously five torches deep and um, into the unknown. Um, but I came across a few more uh that version of basic with a five instead of an S there are a few attempts at making 5e more gritty like darker dungeons or myth Garfer. Uh, there's also something called dark fantasy basic I just wonder what you thought about that if you'd had any experience of those rules and uh, interested to hear Hi, Free Thrall. Great to hear from you. I think the summary of our brief discussion of this as a group of worms is that there's, <laughs> there's not much interest from, from the other worms in playing 5th edition in an OSR way. I think that was the general feeling, if I can summarise. If we've got all these OSR games out there, why would we... Why would you try and play 5th ed in an OSR way when you're playing 5th ed? That's what you're in for. I've got slightly more sensitivity to it, although I have to say that none of us really have spent any time looking at the various games that you mention. But certainly when I was making my first forays into the OSR, before I really encountered the games that have really captured my imagination, like the Black Hack, to an extent into the odds, definitely Maze Rats, I was fiddling about. It was fifth edition that I was fiddling about with. Uh, and thinking, you know, how could I, how could I really strip this down? You know, what's the most basic version of fifth edition I could come up with? Um, and there are there are things there which are um, very conducive to an OSR spirit. Actually, once you you cut out a lot of the feats and a lot of the class abilities, you're left with reasonably 
bounded um, uh, proficiency bonuses, um, the advantage mechanic, well the advantage mechanic is what's been ported into a lot of these other games. Um, but I think there, there are lots of things about 5th edition that you know a lot of the newer OSR games aren't really using, skill bonuses, things like that. One route that I think is quite interesting is not so much, as I say, I don't know so much the games that you mentioned which are trying to do 5th ed in a more OSR way, but certainly there are some modules out there um, which I think do a really good job of suggesting a more OSR flavour for your 5th ed game. One which I think I might have mentioned before, um, but I might even do uh, an episode of my own podcast on, is The Tomb of Black Sand by Jacob Hurst which is an OSR-style 5th ed module. And I can recommend this for a whole bunch of different reasons. For a start, it is beautiful. Um, it's got beautiful art in there. It is wonderfully laid out with a really kind of zany-looking um, font and style. Uh, and it has gone for um, an OSR dungeon... Well, I would say it's an OSR dungeon crawl, but it's even an OSR dungeon crawl with a difference. Um, the dungeon is there, it's got a good reason to be there, it's not simply there for the players to go in and kill everything and raid it, there's lots for them to discover, but then it does lots of things which I um, am very appreciative of, so it doesn't uh, spend pages and pages and pages giving you reams and reams of world info, it's all scattered in there for the players to discover if they're interested and if they go to the right places um, and instead of big chunks of descriptive text it gives you lots of uh, evocative random tables instead um, and as we we mentioned on one of our more recent episodes I lose track of, of which ones we put out when and what we're going to attach the various responses to um, but we do briefly touch on the fact that even fifth edition uh, has been flavoured by some of the um, revival of some old school elements so you find um, a, a nice few random tables in 5th edition, which you didn't so much find, I don't think, in 4th ed. Uh, so I hope that answers you. We we may at some point get round to looking at some of those games that you list off, but I must say that in general the Worms were not massively enthusiastic about that. Hey guys, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I feel safe calling this in because you probably won't have time to air it. My vote for a weird game is also Japanese-based. Well, it's written by... I don't think it's written by Japanese folks, but it's based on anime. So, you know all the schoolgirl anime where they're psychic and they're fighting demons and stuff? There's a game based on that. It's called Tokyo Brain Pop, although I own the earlier version called... I don't know, it's something like Panty Explosion. But anyway, in the game, you're playing schoolgirls, and you're all psychic, but... And you all have rivals, like rival schoolgirls where like you're each like in love with the same teacher or whatever but when you break out your psychic powers your rival gets to narrate what happens and, and to embarrass you with it it's actually and looks like it'd be a great party game or like for the end of the con kind of game and when i say the end of the con game i mean with your friends not necessarily i think you'd have to play with people you know but it actually looks like a really fun game. I mean, I've read through it, and, it, and it, it's definitely playable. Um, Tokyo Brain Pop. And like I said, I don't remember what the other... Maybe the old title was like Super Panty Explosion or something. There's no there's no naughty art or anything in it. That was just the title, and then they renamed it, you know, sensibly. 
but it, but it's actually a, a really neat concept and it really maps out to the to the anime and the manga that you know is prevalent in the culture that my son reads a lot of that stuff so unfortunately I kind of see it in the background and it definitely maps to all that so I think that meets what Dave wants where it you know the game models the media so anyway that's my vote for a weird game hey Jason thanks for the call in ah this is funny I I I picked these two. I said, oh, I'll do those two from Jason before I listen to them. And I think maybe you'd have got a better deal from <laughs> from Pete. <laughs> well, what am I going to say about this? Yes, it does. I mean, you win the weird prize, definitely. It does sound like the games are interestingly, um, you know, the mechanics track the source material. But I don't know. We sh- I shared some comedy with you recently, didn't I, Jason? That wasn't to your taste. And uh, what am I going to say about this? Panty explosions, schoolgirls in love with their teachers. I don't know. The source material just isn't my cup of tea. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to pass on that one. I'll catch you soon, Jason. So I want to say thanks for the call-ins again to Spencer Free Thrall from Keep Off the Borderlands. Wonderful podcast there. And of course to Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Also one of the Worm's favourite podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the call-ins, guys. Keep them coming. Right, welcome back to the Purple Worm. I'm joined as ever by Dave Pete and Colin, and today we're going to be talking about the dark side of advanced fighting fantasy, <laughs> or as, as you might like to know it, the the slightly newer versions of those old, venerable, excellently laid out and produced tomes that we once that we once knew, but way back in the sort of Albion mists of yore, back in the sort of eighties and nineties when they they came out. But we're not going to be talking about the the original versions, which we touched on in the previous episodes. No, we're going to be talking about the the more modern version. I don't even know why I'm holding this up. I mean, it's a podcast, but I just can't help. It's myself. an audio podcast. No, I mean, it's an audio podcast. <laughs> not one of those newfangled visual ones. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. Yeah, I keep telling you those videos will never catch on. <laughs> But no, we're going to be talking about the newer versions by Arian Games. Uh, D- Dave, you, you're the man with all the all the sort of facts and figures. When was the when was the Arian Games version first released? It, uh, it says here 2011. 2011. So yeah, yeah. so so eight eight years ago, give or take. Eight years ago, and he still ain't got over it. I really haven't. now just to like preface this for anyone out there i'm sure you used to like certainly if you listen to me you're probably used to my like my my jolly good-natured banter you know never complain about layout or anything (laughs) like that never have a bad word to say about a book you could probably hear laughing in the format margins yeah never complain about margins or artwork or anything like that but you're probably i think it's fairly safe to say even though obviously we've not yet recorded the rest of the episode you're probably going to get, maybe if, you, if you're perceptive, you'll maybe get the slight sense that we're not the world's biggest fans of these reissues. And this isn't to say that, you know, if, if out there, if you enjoy the, these reissues, you know, if you're enjoying them, crack on. That's absolutely fine. All, all we're going to present here is some of the reasons why we personally 
don't really think they measure up to the original versions of the book. So, guys, do any of you want to wade in? I can see Dave's champing at the bit. To... Let him get, let him loose. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Unleash the beast. <laughs> All right. So there's a few there's a few books out. They keep coming. They keep coming out. So there's been a sequel to Out of the Pit and a and a, and a book of herbs has come out recently. I'm going to talk about the earliest books because I I stopped buying them or looking at them. Um, but the first <laughs> book that was released uh, was written by Graham Botley. Um, he's obviously got the license for Advanced Fighting Fantasy, and so he produced a book called Advanced Fighting Fantasy, the role-playing game. You can see that it's drawing largely on Dungeoneer. The cover art is the beautiful picture of the adventurers and the dragon from Dungeoneer. Um, he's also reprinted um, or reissued Titan and Out of the Pit. I think it's actually a good idea. Um, Titan and Out of the Pit are quite hard to get hold of. So having them in a form that you can get hold of is wonderful. What I would like him to have done is to have then just done the same thing with Dungeoneer and with Black Sand and Alansia. Um, but he's decided to rewrite um, the core rules. So you'll see Dave. That if I sorry to interrupt, if I can just jump in there with a point about the the cover art because you mentioned that, yeah. and I'm a massive fan of the cover art on the originals as well. Now, if you look at Dungeoneer, the original book, it's A5 or digest size, near as damn it for Americans listening. the The cover art pretty much takes up the entire front cover, and then there's like mm -hmm. the title and a bit of text, etc. And obviously, like, direct your friends and exciting fighting fantasy adventures. Now, when it's been put onto the cover of the new book, all you actually get is, like, a thin strip of the artwork in the middle. And there's, there's sort of, like, there's, like, a faux sort of book cover deal going on where, like, most of it's covered over by this these odd sort of beige rectangles that have the... <laughs> that, that Some have dodgy. That, yeah, that, that have the titles in it. Now, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I mean, okay, yeah, I, I, I did art at university. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm the world's artiest person. But all I'm saying is, if you came to me and you were like, John, look, we're going to put some, like, new visual elements. Um, nothing too fancy, you know, just a few, like, borders and whatever on the front covers of our new books. And you were like, what colour do you reckon we should go to, John? There is no... Not even an alternate universe where I would leap to beige as beige. my first choice. I'm sure they'll say it's gold, but it's it, not. it is most definitely brown. Sorry, that, yeah, that's, it, my, it that's is, my rant over. No, it's pretty depressing. And and so you've got those big bands, and that makes all of the books consistent because they whatever cover art they've got, they've all got those big bands, so you can tell they're part of this new. Um, the new mm. series so whereas with the original a4 size titan and out of the pit you had those beautiful complete a4 covers um, yeah big again with the reissues yeah with the reissues you've got those just for the sake of series coherence i think you've got those great big bands across them actually that's something it's worth um it's worth picking up on the art now he's obviously got access to a whole batch of the advanced fighting fantasy art so there's pictures that you would recognize um, but in the printed versions of the book, it is, um, it's depressingly washed out, actually. Um, you know, just flicking true. through it. Yeah. I recognise these pictures and they make me pretty sad seeing them. And that's the same with the reproduction of the Titan and the, Out of the Pit. The quality of those reissues is pretty... Yeah, it's pretty it's the same if, if you look at the, um, the world map in the first book, uh, as sort of seen in numerous uh, original advanced fighting fantasy books. They're sort of this... Wishy, washed out sort of 
dark to light gray depending on what page you're on which given that some of the original sort of fighting fantasy artwork was fairly detailed black and white work makes them quite difficult to look at and in some of them like it's quite difficult to actually tell what they are which is a crying shame given how good the artwork was yeah but you know as as we've established before i think these things might might offend you more than me i, c I could forgive all of that if what I had in my hands was, was, was an affordable version of the game that I know and love. Yeah. But what he's, what he's taken it upon himself to do is to rewrite the game. Now, as we've mentioned before, there were some things you need to do to Dungeoneer to make it work. The first thing you've got to do is just lower the skill level. He's done that. So your starting skill is lower, which makes special skills work. That is pretty much all he needed to do. What he's actually done is invented um, a whole new system of talents, um, which, which, which adds in a whole bunch of um, subsystems. He's also rewritten the rules um, in, a, in a really kind of turgid, um, you know, turgid style, like, you know, like, like those old games, which whatever you want to say about them, you kind of think, well, if only they, if they, only they could have had a livelier writing style. Now, the thing about Dungeoneer was that, uh, as we did talk about in the last episode, it had just wonderful features. It had that lovely sort of British humour going through it. It had that real introductory style. It had the conceit of directing your friends in fantasy films. This book reads like it was written 15 years before Dungeoneer. Um, in addition to that, um, it's poorly edited and, and, and proofread, which depresses me. I think it's the, it's the height of arrogance, if you can't spell very well, not to get someone to look over your, your draft. Has, um, has it got an editor credited? Is there a credited editor in there, or is it just a one-man endeavour? Uh, cover illustrate, it's got illustration copyrights, no, copyright Graham Botley, and then Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston are credited in there as well, but obviously they didn't. Mm -hmm. anything to do with this i don't think let's have a look at the acknowledgements oh, there's cubicle seven cubicle seven actually put the thing out um hmm. but no there's no credited um editor well there you um, go limited play testers yeah and i think that's that's the biggest thing um hmm. i think he needed to have been told that a lot of the changes he made don't add anything to the game i think he needed to have to have had somebody give it a really tight proofread mm -hmm. i mean it really when i got hold of this i thought this is great i thought here's a nice shiny book that i can give to my kids and they yeah. can have the same experience that i had when when i mm -hmm. picked up dungeon because if i give my version of dungeoneer to, to my kids it would just disintegrate um but by the time i'd got to the end of it i thought no there's no way i will give that to my kids um mm. i i can't work out whether he's going for a sort of a, an old-fashioned feel with the layout or he's just not spent the money getting a good designer and just do it in word because it's what i mean to, to give you an example of the last i mean obviously people at home won't be able to see this but i'm just showing like the very first page to, to to my fellow hosts this first page it literally has two small paragraphs of writing and a few titles on it and then easily three quarters of the page is just entirely blank and it's, mm. just like it's more than that yeah, it's, it's more than a, that. It's just a yeah. paragraph floating in the middle of like a white space. Now, so, no one can have looked at that and gone, yeah, that's the layout for me. So what he's done, what he's done, I mean, I, I think I can understand some of the design choices, right? What he's done, if you, if you look at the pages, they've got the bar style. Mm. Um, so, so subheadings 
or chapter headings have got capitalized titles between two bars. He's done that to be consistent with the layout of, of Out of the Pit, I think. So the internal layout is reminiscent of the old A4 style Out of the Pit books. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. So he's done it to look like those. Although I've got my old Out of the Pit here as I'm flicking through it and the art just kind of pops because it's, it's yep. all the same black and white art, but it's, look, 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 you can see it's like bold and it pops. So I'm showing my, I'm showing my fellow workers. Oh. Um, uh, but, uh, and the A4 versions, just for anybody that don't know, if you can pick up the A4 versions, they were way crisper yeah. than even the original paperback small versions. The A4 yeah. versions, they were on better paper. The, the, the sharpness, and the image quality was just the best. So if you can get Titan and out of the pit, original A4, they're the best versions to my to my mind. Yeah, so you can see so, so you can so you can understand that that he's done that. He wants his because as I say, he's reissued Titan and out of the pit with new covers, um, not great quality, but but at least as written. And then I think the idea is that your your new version of Dungeoneer the Advanced Fighting Fantasy 2nd Edition, and your new version of Black Sand, it's horrifying what he's done to Black Sand, sit alongside that and are kind of internally consistent with it. Um, but all he needed to have done to do that was to fix that skill. You know, yeah. the, the, the Dungeoneer skill inflation meant that it was no longer compatible even without the pit. The monsters were no threat because they all had much lower skills than your, than your weapon special skill. But, but to have added in... I mean, I think he's added all the, all the various difficulty tables. He's sort of doubled in size. <laughs> you know, they didn't need doubling. They needed, if you're going to do anything, you could have just dropped them and, and, and just given a sort of three-stage difficulty, you know, or a six-stage, you know, plus two, plus four, plus six, minus two, minus four, minus six. There you go. There's your difficult mod difficulty modifiers for everything. The, um, I think the other, the other yeah, thing Pete, he, he could have done was go to a rollover system, and then that wouldn't have broken it. Then he could set target numbers as opposed to trying to fix the roll under, because you're sort of limiting yourself with roll under, aren't you? Certainly with the special skills, because you've got roll over for roll high for the uh, combat, so you could switch the uh, the uh, other skills to a higher target number. I don't know what I think about that, Pete. That sounds, that sounds heretical. But it's a fix. Yeah. It is interesting, guys, because I uh, I have the like Beyond the Pit sort of one, which was like the right. second monster book. Mm. And actually, the artwork in that looks a lot stronger in terms of like the print quality. So I don't know whether that's a, a problem they had early on that they sorted out, whether it was a problem with the the original artwork. But it certainly seems as you go through. That well, I'll tell you something I noticed, just just derailing the conversation a little bit and going back to the game books. When um, the original game books, when they bought out the wizard ones, there was a drop in quality on the line art there. The originals yeah. were much sharper. And, yeah. and then wizard, mm. the wizard ones were a bit sort of, they were a little bit darker, but they got all a bit more like they were a copy, which clearly they they were you know like you yeah. photocopy a photocopy kind of thing which was uh, disappointing and also yeah. i do have to say i agree with dave that the sort of the black sun book was like fairly heartbreaking but before before we even like get into that what, what's, what's up with that on, what's going on with that cover image it's just sort of like some dude holding a knife whereas on the original black sun you had like some heroes facing off against like two giant ogres or trolls or 
or whatever. They weren't really dynamic. I on think the, that's the, the new one. City of Thieves. In isn't that the new City of Thieves? I don't know. It's just, it's from just Wizard. Like, it's just like uh, the world's it most actually, generic. Yeah. It's just the world's most generic dude holding a knife. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got to ask. I mean, you could present this as kind of a labour of love. Somebody who played fight fantasy a lot, but was frustrated with a lot of the rules. But then, when you read the books, you, you have to say, what is it you loved when you loved fighting fantasy? You know, what, what is it? Because the humour's gone. The quirky, the quirky kind of, um, you know, the quirky monsters have gone. I mean, Dungeoneer, the the. The starter adventure in Dungeoneer, we talked about this last time briefly, it taught you to play. You went straight into that starter adventure. It taught you to play through the adventure. It had ogres throwing chicken bones at you. And then it had a fantastic... You've got, you've got none of that in here. I don't think there's a sample... I mean, I don't normally complain that there's no sample adventure, actually. That's not a thing. But, but it, did, it gave you a feel for what, for what fighting fantasy was and for what the adventures could be like. This, this seems to be... Fighting Fantasy modified so that you can go back and play a generic dungeon crawl with it. <laughs> but plus, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, plus as well, the, the adventure, it was memorable. It, it sort of taught you what you needed to know, but it was also memorable. I mean, I've not read it. I've not read my copy of Dungeoneer for, for years, cause, partly because it's a little bit fragile. But I can still remember that the villain of the adventure was called Sargon the Black all these years later. Sargon the Dark, yes. Sargon the Dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. But yeah. That, that, that sort of like stuck with me. And for saying that was just like a villain in like a couple of like cheeky sample adventures, that's pretty good going. And one of the things I, I like about the, the, the sort of fighting fantasy books in general is these big personalities, these big villains, you know, like the Riddling Reaver, Sargon, Zambar Bones, people like that, they stuck with me for a long time after I yeah. read the books. Whereas... As I said to you guys before we started recording this, I read through these newer versions when I got them, pretty much went, no, not for me, put them to one side. And literally nothing about them has stuck in my mind mm. at all. No, well, I was pretty heartbroken to have seen him. I should imagine, actually, that Out the Pit 2, or whatever it's called, this, the, the Out the Pit, is, is probably the pit. quite fun. Beyond the Pit, there's a whole bunch of new, new, new beasts. Um, but... Um, but but he's just he's he's frightened me away, or he's he's put me off with that with that first book. Um, and there's there's just all sorts of other things. New rules. Are, I mean, the poor editing stuff. New rules are introduced, which are then forgotten. Um, you know, it just doesn't hold together. I think you've hit the nail on the head, though, with the, the writing. It's a very dry style, isn't it? You know, it's just matter of fact. This is it, and no humor at all in it and sort of no personality in, in the race. That's the, yeah, that's the bit. That's the bit. Well, it makes it harder to read, I find. It's like that. Yeah. And it, and it somehow, somehow is longer as well. Yeah. It's actually quite a hefty book. Um, I mean, the, the way I look at it is if you were sort of, if you were trying to resurrect or reprint, whatever you want to call it, some sort of fairly generic or unknown product. Yeah. Okay. You, you might have sort of got away with it, but like, Fighting fantasy, I mean, not specifically advanced fantasy, but fighting fantasy as a whole is so sort of well-loved, particularly over here in the UK. By and, and you know that pretty much like most of the people who are going to be buying this are people who've got some previous experience with fighting fantasy, and that's why they're buying it. Buying it. I mean, Dave was talking about wanting copies for his kids. I, 
obviously I don't have kids, but I was like, oh, my, my old versions, they're, they're a bit threadbare because I've had them for years and many house moves. Oh, I'd love to have some nice new versions that I could crack open, maybe run a few games and not worry about damaging through like wear and tear. But looking at these, I'd probably just, well, after this is finished, I'm going to put them straight back on the shelves and forget about them in case, unless we do another podcast about it. Well, they I mean, passed me by. You know, they've passed me by. I, I love Defiant Fantasy, but I never picked these up. Why is that? But you, know, but you know what makes me sad? I can see people, I see out on social media, people saying, oh, I'm excited, I'm playing Advanced Fighting Fantasy tonight um, and, and selling it as like an old school experience. Um, but just what makes me sad about that is that, you, you know, all, all you are playing is a sort of generic old school game with a sort of half fixed rule system you're not really capturing anything of what it was like to experience dungeoneer um to you know john talks about seeing the picture of the of the of the two trolls or the troll guards do you know what i mean to and that that was kind of what it was to me dungeoneer was about negotiating with those troll guards um you know and that and they they had a they had a particular kind of personality which i don't think yeah. you saw in other games and it is yeah but yeah, Pete hit the nail on the head with personality. The personality is all gone from this book. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of, um, of the style. If you look at um, a description of, a, of an orc in Dungeoneer, uh, an orc is, it says, Orcs are the most common of all evil humanoids, and they infest all of Elantia. They are vicious, cowardly, cruel, and totally disgusting. Now compare that to advice fighting, advanced fighting fantasy. Taller and heavier than goblins, but otherwise similar to their smaller cousins, orcs are just as evil. Commonly found in dungeons, wastelands and wildernesses, orcs are brutal when they have strength of numbers, but can be very cowardly when isolated. It's just, yeah. Wow, that yeah, says no, it all. That's, that's spot on. Yeah, oh, yeah. spot on. Uh, absolutely right. Um, I mean, to, to read you guys another extract to, to sum up the differences in writing style. Wow. Dungeoneer starts off with like a preamble of like a bit of some icy fiction, I suppose you'd call it. But we'll skip over that, and this is how the original Dungeoneer starts. Have you ever wanted to star in your own fantasy movie to become the hero of an epic swords and sorcery novel? The very best fantasy movies and books are wonderful excuses for letting the imagination run riot on an awesome scale, freeing it from the trappings of everyday life and letting it stalk through worlds full of excitement and danger. Well, think how much more fun it would actually be to be there, to be doing all the things your heroes do, to become your heroes. And that's like the first paragraph at the, after the IC fiction. Whereas the first paragraph of the newer version says, Advanced Fighting Fantasy is a simple game to play that nevertheless has lots of options and specific rules. If you are new to this game in particular or to role-playing games in general, this section is then for you, providing a very fast way to get started with the game. By reading through these few pages, you will be able to play a fighting fantasy adventure straight away. Oh my goodness. I got one more. I got one more. Go on, I got one oh more. no! Don't remember, do it to me, Dave, man. Please, no. Remember, remember, we said. Remember, we said. I mean, that Dungeoneer had this beautiful starting adventure. Actually, I could admit now because you guys clearly haven't looked in Dungeoneer recently that that one of the one of the twists of it was that the um, was that the prince who leads you to the tower at the start is actually in cahoots with the sorcerer, um, and there's like a plucky maiden that you have to rescue, and that was part of my inspiration for what happened in the uh, in the tower in my black hat game. I did wonder, Dave, but yeah. I was like, no, I'm keeping it quiet. No, it's all good. I can admit that now. But it, but but we talked about that last episode. That it was just it was it was great. You had. Um, 
oh, you had you had a great thing where the goblins goblins attacked you, but there are all kinds of ways you could scare the goblins away because goblins are cowardly. But and it was teaching you the rules as you went. And remember, it had that whole conceit of you know cast of characters. This is how to run it for your players. If mm-hmm. there are any problems, do this. Right, there is an introductory adventure in Advanced Fighting Fantasy, the role-playing game. I've just found it. Um, the first thing is, it's called The Well, and it sends you down a wishing well, which I think is an homage to um, the quite duff adventure that you've got in Steve Jackson's Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game, where you also go down a well. Um, but the whole <laughs> adventure is done in three sides of A4, yeah? And it is just classic, location by location, numbered locations, italicized text, a big old map, um, italicized text, and then a couple of paragraphs on what's happening in the room. And yeah, when you get to the big boss room, it says, this room is the living space and workroom of the necromancer who animated the zombies in room five. He has returned from his travels and is looking to use the old well as a base of operations. The necromancer has several spells at his disposal, blah, blah, blah. Exactly what I mean. It reads like, you know, the most turgid D&D module you've ever read. In fact, it reads a lot worse. Um, yeah, it's a and then the character is, it's just a yeah, textbook. Yeah. The character started up as necromancer, whereas I can remember the bad guy, the big bad that you meet in that first adventure is called Zortan Throg. Yeah. And when you meet him, he has this amazing moment where he appears in the fire, his face is in the fire and it's yeah. flaming and he cackles at you and laughs because he's not actually there and you have to go into Black Sand in the second adventure and find him. Um, you know, and you remember that the, you know, the princess is, you know, really resents the idea of being rescued. And, you know, it's just so memorable, so memorable. Grudthak the ogre throwing his chicken bones at you and you compare it to this sort of location by location you know this room has five zombies they are static thus it's just oh, it just yeah, a, it breaks a my squared heart. Breaks my heart. plus b squared yeah. equals c squared isn't it yeah it's brutal um, when you think you can pick the original copies up for about the dungeon here about 12 pound on uh, ebay and the new ones uh, the reprints or the repurposed ones are 25 right yeah, it's, I think it's a no-brainer. Go and get one of the original ones. Yeah, quickly before mm-hmm. all of the anchorites buy them all up. We're talking to you, Jason, Jason. Connolly. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or as yeah. I like to call him, Joe. Yeah, I've oh, got a call. <laughs> yeah. Did I play my call yet? I've got a call from Goblin's Henchman asking me whether he should fork out 80 quid for a Lanzia. <laughs> no, no, don't do no, it. Don't do it. But yeah, all yeah. All the others you can I'm get sure you from. could find it elsewhere. Yeah, all the others can get 11 to 15 quid, can't you? But yeah, is it's silly money. And, and I think, I think, what do you mean elsewhere, it? Colin? You're talking about a shonky copy? <laughs> no, no, not I, sir. <laughs> I, I think, I think we spoke Never about let it, it be the, said. Um, I think we spoke about Alanza in the, the last one where Dave was saying, oh, it was most likely due to there being less sort of a, a yeah. lower print run of that because it was sort of on the way out when they did Alanza. And I suppose it's easy for me because I've got a copy to like say, oh, it's not worth paying for. But I seriously believe it is, yeah. It is not, it's a nice book. I love my copy of it, but it is not worth paying like the silly money that people are asking for it. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's got a big good adventure in it, but it's got the longest of all the adventures. So quite a lot of it is adventure, which you might resent paying for anyway. But, but the big, the big, the big missed trick here is whereas Black Sand had all those beautiful um, city generation tables, mm-hmm. this doesn't really. It's got a section that looks the same, which goes through a Lansian environments, gives you a couple of rules for deserts and quicksand and stuff like that. But um, 
but it doesn't really have any sort of generator. All it's got is a table, you know, okay, you've now left the plains, where are you going next? And you can roll to see whether you're going into marsh or mountain or hills, but it's pretty, it's pretty sparse. And then there's some um, monster encounter tables, some monster lists, but it doesn't have any kind of wilderness generator to speak of. So it is a mystery. It's yeah. got mass battles, um, yeah. which are quite fun. Actually, the mass battle system is mm -hmm. quite interesting. It's yeah. it's reminiscent, or Ray Otis's mass battle system for his um, uh, Lords, Lords of Mars of game Mars. Is, actually, is actually sort of coincidentally reminiscent of this. It had a quite a nice relative scaling system, so it didn't really matter whether you had 100 troops or 10 troops. Yeah, it's quite abstract, it. isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, and it had a few new spells, but the spells broke things because they were, they were mass combat spells. Um, yeah. So, so what do you think of the Spike Pit Buyer's Guide, Dave? I would say um, pick up the Riddling Reaver, original, second hand, yep. and Port Black Sand, or Black Sand, and maybe um, Dungeoneer. Definitely. Yeah. And then if you can get hold of a copy of Out of the Pit and Titan, that would do you. Yeah, in fact, I'd, I would go for Out of the Pit and Titan first. Yeah. Um, then the Riddling Reaver. Um, yeah, and then Dungeoneer and Black Sand together. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. the rest, skip, skip it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There we go. And don't be fooled, because although um, the Aryan games um, out the pit and Titan, if you can't get anything else, get those because they are reissues. The one called Black Sand is not. It's a rewrite. Don't get that. Hunt down the that. original Black Sand, yeah. Yeah, if, if ever there was a book that didn't need to be rewritten, it, it was Black Sand. Yeah. Yeah, that's like 17... At the minute, last time I looked at <coughs> it was about 17 quid on mm. um, like Amazon. Right. And, and, the, and the, new, the new version will cost you more than that. So. Well, uh, when we come to the end of that, do we want to talk about Troika at all? I've got to confess, guys, I do not know a great deal about Troika. I've actually got a copy of it on order at the moment, but it's not arrived yet. But yeah, if you, if you guys know a bit more about me, want to want to go into Troika and the, the possible relationship with fighting fantasy, etc., go for it, guys. Yeah, kick us off, Pete. You did it on your show, didn't you? Yeah, well, basically, um, Daniel Sell um, has rewritten fighting fantasy but has not referenced it at all. He's tried to fix the uh, broken um, skills as, uh, by reducing the points you get in the skills to start with. But the rest of it is advanced fighting fantasy in name, if not mentioned. And he's even got the ups table as well, or, although he's changed it slightly. But the way Troika works is it's, you've got a number of um, character options and they're like pre-gens, really. Uh, you roll a dice and you get one of those. And so his skills in the characters are sort of a flavor of the setting. So to reduce his, his sort of core background, when you get your characters, you'll get um, a skill that says pilot of an airship. And that's the first time an airship's mentioned. So it implies that there are airships in this setting. It's, it's quite a clever way of doing it, but I know it's not for everyone. Um, some people prefer sort of, you know, a hard and fast background. For me, I think it's easy to write for, 
and there's lots of community content out there on the web where people have done cowboy settings and all sorts mm -hmm. because all you've got to do is just design a character and there's not many rules for doing that really i suppose the question i'd have about that uh, obviously not knowing a great deal about it at the moment would be since it's obviously taking a, a lot of inspiration from advanced fighting fantasy let, let's say let's say i'm someone who hasn't got the original books but i've heard about advanced fighting fantasy maybe as as dave was advising i picked up the new sort of out of the pit and titan but i'm like well, i'm not, not so sure about the rest of them if i had out of the pit and titan and a copy of troika would i be able to use that to run effectively the original fighting advanced fighting fantasy yeah you could so with one with one kind of um caveat that that he doesn't um character creation doesn't have you building your character like it does in advanced fighting mm -hmm. fantasy so in advanced okay. fighting fantasy you get a number of points and you get a skill list and you build your character from the skill list whereas um in in troika you've effectively got uh, a d66 table of classes and they are all pre-built uh, and that is lovely but it but it creates a very specific kind of zany flavorful world that you know that it, it was really zany um and i think you'd you you just need to either bring back the point by skills system or even better i think you could just go with you wouldn't need d66 mm -hmm. but if you just if you just give gave six flavorful classes um cool. pre-built then you'd be good to go call me cynical but based on what everybody's saying so far We've got Troika, okay, yeah. which is um, basically advanced fighting fantasy cleaned up a little bit and the serial numbers filed off for um, IP reasons, as previously discussed. Yeah. And then what I find interesting is then Pete is saying people are coming along and sort of saying they're doing Troika hacks. Right. Right? But Troika ceases to exist when you take the setting out of it. So if you you can't... My argument is you can't do Troika in the Wild West because it's no longer Troika. What we're, we're actually doing is advanced fighting fantasy in the Wild West or advanced fighting fantasy with the serial numbers filed off in space blah blah so, blah so he's it's got like a, he's, he's been hijacked it's, i feel like he's been hijacked he's got yeah no i agree with you he's got a couple of things which are distinctly his innovations so there is a really neat encumbrance system where you basically you know you have to you have to roll to to grab something out of your pack and the further mm. down it is in your pack the harder it is to roll to grab oh, it nice. out in a hurry which is yeah. very nifty um yeah i'm not convinced i haven't seen that before though uh, maybe no yeah maybe and then he's got an he's got an initiative system which is really odd but kind of fun where you have a number of tokens and you pull the tokens out the bag yeah that's, uh, that's and you uh, may or may not get your next turn yeah that's bolt action initiative isn't it for me yeah, that's yes gaming. yes that was, gaming. um so so I, I mean i suppose but i suppose if you use those you'd be using troika but my, well, my inclination is, that initiative is actually in space hulk right more or less right well, but what Daniel's done is he says in the text that you can sort of use it to hack away, just don't use his text. So that's what's given people the license to. Yeah, but to, but what he's really, but what he's really done is shown you that you you don't need to use Troika. You could yeah. just hack 
fighting yeah. fantasy in exactly the way that he has. He does, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. what it suggests to me. If yeah. if no one's come after him, then if I was going to do it, I wouldn't do a troika hack. Nope. I would, yeah, it's exactly as Colin ah. says. It would be a it would be a fighting fantasy in all but It'd name. It'd be spike pit game. the RPG, mate. Yeah, it would be spike <laughs> pit the RPG. <laughs> Yeah. It'd, it'd, it'd be advanced fighting drive-throughs. Yeah, advanced fighting drive-throughs. Yeah, mm. through the spike pit. Out of the spike pit. Yeah, out of the spike pit. I do think what, what you're saying though is uh, is uh, true, and it's almost for me, it almost feels like the most valuable thing about it. I mean, I'm sure it's a perfectly playable game. I know lots of people on the um, the, the Discord server. Audio Dungeon have sort of raved about it. It's I'm well sure done. It's, I'm sure it's a well done, it's a playable game. I'm looking forward to getting my copy. But it sounds yeah, to me like nice. almost more valuable than the fact that it's a nice game is the fact that it shows you ex- it's sort of like leading the way to other people mm-hmm. want to hack some yep. version of Advanced Fighting Fantasy. Yes. Yeah. As long as no one's going to come knocking at your door saying, oh, where's your Troika attribution to that? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to test that out. I can't imagine he would have the front to do that no. because, um, um, you know, it's interesting. That and I've, I've engaged with front. him about this. I mentioned before, he says Steve Jackson knows what I'm doing. But just, you know, Steve Jackson didn't write Dungeoneer. No. And Dungeoneer is the reference point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. And we'll come to Mark Gascoigne at some future future yes. time hey here's yes. a nice link between troika and something we will talk about i imagine in in future episodes electric bastion land um there is a big similarity there i mean what troika yep. does is build you a world through character creation exactly. which as i understand it is exactly the principle of electric bastion land apparently 200 pages of those 300 pages in the book are um are, are your failed careers yeah. there we are yeah. we've got, we've and got the world link. again is built from those careers and there we have the, a link onto the next episode yeah, there you go. And, I, and all I've got to say Take there away. is first edition Warhammer Fantasy role playing game. That's all yeah. I've got. Yes, <laughs> but which at least he does acknowledge. Um, the mm. I've forgotten his name. Electric Chris McDonald. Uh, Chris McDowell. 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 Yeah. Okay, guys. So do we want? Do we think we've sufficiently covered that? Do we want to yeah. wrap up? this well, those episode in favour say, right. yeah, we'll just yeah, wait I, for, think I, I think I kept the lid on it quite well. We'll, we'll, we'll just wait for Colin. That. We'll just wait for Colin to do the uh, the voicemails then. Oh, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, wait for you guys to pull your socks up and answer some of them voicemails. <laughs> didn't, didn't, catch, didn't catch me and Pete messing around when no, no. doing ours. Straight on it. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 I've got nothing to say. <laughs> Unusual for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's starting his new podcast. So. <laughs> okay so thank you everyone who's listening out there you've been listening to colin pete dave and myself john rambling on a bit about the or a little bit about the uh the the sort of reworked versions of advanced fighting fantasy and segueing into troika a bit at the end there all joking aside hopefully by the time we release this we'll have some answers for some of the voicemail messages that you've kindly left us and we'll slot those in at the front of the episode but until we speak to you again from colin pete dave and myself it's goodbye take care and watch out for those purple worms bye catch you later bye